Tonight's episode comes to you in the same format as always, but instead of someone entrenched in the automotive world every day, it's someone who seems to escape to the beauty and wonder the automotive world presents. Passion and enthusiasm run deeply to his core, and his name is Faisal Huda. Faisal appreciates a perfect finish to something, and as I'm sure it rings true in his professional life, it becomes immediately apparent when you meet him and begin to explore the way his thought process conduct the creation of a spectacular collection of vehicles. In my conversation with Faisal tonight, we focus heavily on one specific vehicle of his, known simply as the Toronto Commission. A seemingly innocuous name for such a hype-filled setup, but to those who understand the magnitude of this simple naming convention, know that it reeks of the names Porsche, Singer, and its founder of legendary status, Rob Dickinson. To those who don't know the singer name, or how they've been penning the love letter to Portia, I think you'll be interested in this conversation, and maybe it'll be worth a little bit of background research on your own. In either case, I do hope that you enjoy. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this, this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Cool. Okay, so we're gonna be we're recording now. I'm gonna start off, um, move my mic in nice and tight so I can hear myself here again. Um, okay, cool. So, um, all right, here we are. It's episode 42 of the Bucket Seat Podcast, and I'm pumped to have Faisal Huda here on the show tonight. So, Faisal, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of the show. Thanks for having me. This is. Uh both an honor and a pleasure, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. No, it's very nice. Well, very flattering. Thank you. Um, so Faisal is both a, uh, so he's the CEO of CSL Silicones. He's a collector and modifier of beautiful motoring machines and an all-around man with impeccable taste. So Faisal is both a guest and a listener. Uh, we met as a result of an episode where I spoke about 9-11's Reimagined by Singer, and it just so happened that Faisal has the Toronto Commission. He also happened to be listening to that episode, and we met off air. Um, Faisal was kind enough to let me spend some time admiring his 911 that's been reimagined by Singer, and also his other cars in his collection. So tonight, we're going to immerse ourselves in the process of having a Porsche 911 reimagined by Singer, and indulge ourselves with the beautiful details and process that develops such an outstanding end product. And on top of that, we're going to touch on a few of Faisal's other vehicles that aren't 911s, which certainly can't fall into the singer's shadows because they're all very interesting as well. So first, I do want to start where I start with all of my guests, and we are going to begin at the beginning. So Faisal, um, again, you know, this is the, the, the format for the whole show, and everybody answers these questions, and I love it because... I think it's a nice glimpse into the beginnings, the soul, the the history of why everyone is so interested in this whole world of automotive. Yeah. Um, and it starts with what got you into cars. So what was it that inspired or hooked you in the first place? Um, you know, if it, uh, according to my mom, if we, if we follow her narrative, it was this little yellow toy car that I had that, uh, this was before I could speak properly. It wasn't the yellow car. It was the Lello car. And <laughs> this thing went everywhere right. with me, including into bed and it would fall out of bed onto the hardwood floors and wake up, wake my parents up much to their chagrin. But, uh, yeah, one day, uh, we were traveling. My parents used to take us traveling a lot and it got lost in the, the hustle and bustle of an airport. Oh God! <laughs> Probably still, you know, circulating some luggage belt or something or a security uh, security belt. Um, but yeah, I I I think uh, at that point my mom said that I seemed to have just forgotten about cars. It was just this yellow car that was my fixation. But my earliest memory, I think, uh, again, parents taking us traveling so much. Uh, we used to visit family in the UK, and um, I remember classic minis. Well, not classic mm. at that time, but minis. <laughs> Uh, really catching my capturing my imagination. I used to I remember distinctly sitting there and sort of imagining what would I do to make this thing faster? Because my uncle had one, we'd putz around in it, and uh, I remember thinking, oh well, you could you know rip out the uh, the passenger seat, and you could stick the engine there, and of course, totally 
technically unfeasible, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. You know, a little kid imagining what he would do to make the thing faster. And lo and behold, I've, I've seen mid-engine minis since then. Right. I've seen a few of those too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Minitech down in Georgia, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, did one that uh, was just beastly fast. But anyway, so that was probably the earliest, uh, earliest fascination that I can recall. And then, of course, you know, mom takes you on grocery shopping duty and i would uh, you know drift the cart around <laughs> so <laughs> around the uh you know the apple uh apple and vegetable aisle and whatnot and uh, got into some trouble sometimes so yeah <laughs> I, it, it's funny when i go to a grocery store these days I always watch out for that, and I see you know dads or moms that are clearly drifting their cars around corners, and immediately we kind of catch eyes. Like I know, I know what you're into. This is, I, I get this. This is a nice insight into what you like in life about cars. Um, and uh, and also, I, I really judge their approach angle as well. Yeah, it's yeah. really important too. It's grocery start approach, Did you hit grocery the cart approach no. angles. Um, okay, so what was the first car that you you, you ever owned? Uh, first was a, uh, I believe it was a model year 1990. One Mazda six two six five door, so it was a hatchback. Uh huh. Hatchback. Yep. And uh, I didn't buy it myself. My dad bought it for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, it it wasn't a new car to me. I think I got it in ninety seven, maybe or ninety six, mm-hmm. possibly. A uh, little old lady had used it for a while, and it was in great shape. And uh, it was a stick, so nice. I was super excited about it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was the first car that I owned, and uh, you know my wife's probably going to listen to this podcast. She won't like hearing, but it was a perfect date mobile because <laughs> <laughs> you could flip down the back seats. And back then in Toronto, we used to have the uh, Symphony of Fire. Oh right! Yeah, so it was perfect. Oh, you know, awesome. you just uh, reverse the car in, you flip up the back hatch, pop the hatch, yeah, and uh, lounge around and. Datemobile, it's Date a polite way of putting it. I yeah. like it. So that was the first car. I actually <laughs> missed that car. That was a nice car. It was. It was a nice car. It was white on uh, blue. Uh, you couldn't call it velour. It's not velvet. Whatever that like sort of kind of crushed artificial velvet. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was. It was nice. It was. It was neat and tidy and clean and. Uh, yeah, no, it well, was cool. it was if cool. your cars right today are any reflection of how clean you kept a car back then, <laughs> then I can definitely understand how clean it would have been then yeah. too. Yeah. Okay, so what was the first car that you purchased yourself? Right. So uh, I think, yeah, and that was uh, the, uh, I, I can't remember the model. It was a Toyota Solara, first generation Toyota Oh, no Solara. way. Yeah, so I had that 626 probably for, I'm going to guess, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that would make it maybe a 98 model year Solara or 99 perhaps uh, again can't perfectly recall but uh, yeah it was white on black um, and I just remember seeing one going up the the road and thinking oh that's got some nice lines to it time to ditch the the 626 which ultimately I regretted anyway because mm-hmm. I enjoyed the 626 so much more than the than the Solara but uh, yeah so that was the first car that I bought and right. uh, my dad was so disappointed in me you're never going to be good with money. <laughs> <laughs> I bought you this wonderful used car. You could have used it for years. You could have tinkered on it and repaired it and this and that, whatever. Anyway, I dashed so his you, dreams. <laughs> you had to move on. <laughs> I had to move Get on. it. I, so uh, in, in speaking about tinkering, like, did you end up tinkering with any of your cars? Um, did you tinker at all? Uh, I do not on those early cars. Um, Already with that Mazda 626, they were a little too complex underneath the hood for mm-hmm. a guy that didn't have any formal training in, yeah, in fair an enough, automotive yeah. shop or anything like that. So, no, I left it up to the experts, but uh, today I do tinker. I mean, there, there's a limit to what I will dare to do on my own. Understandable. Part of yeah. it is lack of courage and confidence, maybe. Part of it is lack of tools. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I tinker sometimes. I've tinkered on the Singer even. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, wow. The so yeah, the bar's been set pretty high for people who have tinkered with those cars. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Singer guys are pretty impressed by what I'm willing to do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Myself. Um, we'll talk about that. So um, what was the cool car that everyone had when you were in high school? Uh, all my friends were poor. Hey, I hear that. <laughs> I was I, that. I didn't. I mean, none of us really had school. cars when I was in high school. There were a few of us, but we admired certain yeah, cars. So, but what I really uh, lusted after across the street from our high school were some houses, and there was this one house with, uh, I think you could call it like a deep purple and aubergine Acura Vigor. Acura. Just, oh wow, yeah. I just remember right. looking at that and going, you know, that's just the right amount of boxiness mm-hmm. with aggressiveness mm-hmm. to it. I think I like the Acuras. And then there was also the, well, the Acura Integra as well. The, uh, 
Uh, I think it must have been first generation, a little boxy as well. Yeah, yeah I yeah. thought that looked pretty cool. Yeah, those were yeah. those uh, are the ones I sort of lusted after. And then uh, there was also, and I, yeah, this was late end of high school, the Mazda. It's not the protege. That's kind of lame. It was a hatchback, two door hatchback thing with little bug eyes. Uh, uh, that wasn't a three two three, was it? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm I'm awful with. Yeah, it's going to come to me later, and I'll okay. blurt it out. But yeah, that, that I remember that being kind of cool. And you know why it was cool? Because the hottest girl in the class got one for Christmas, <laughs> and that's why it was such a cool girl. Yeah, the uh, yeah, right. The power of influence. Yes, exactly. I like it. Um, okay, so on to today. So, what's your daily driver or your kind of stable of dailies today? Uh, so I don't keep a stable of dailies. The dailies I limit it to one. Uh, keep a stable of a stable of special cars, but the the daily is a uh, Targa Four GTS. It's the the latest generation, the nine nine one point two. So it's got the turbos on it. Oh yeah, um, which I was sort of apprehensive about a little bit. But, really? Uh, yeah, I just you know I thought a naturally aspirated is just a little bit cooler than having you know some turbos for fuel efficiency and whatever. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Actually, when I was shopping for the Targa. I thought to myself, well, if I have to get a car with some turbos in it, let me get a, let me get turbo with capital T. Let me let me go all the way out and get the 911 turbo or turbo S. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Then I started specking it out and pricing it out, and I thought, this is my daily, and I'm taking this thing through winter, and I've just finished driving it through the right. winter right now. Right? Yeah. And if you I thought, follow your Instagram, like it's clear that yeah. I mean, what do you you always call it your your trusty mule or your <laughs> your mountain goat, goat or sturdy goat? Right. Sturdy goat. Hashtag sturdy sturdy goat. goat. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome because. I think it's so telling that, you know, that is what your daily is, but it's also something that you trust. Yeah. So Turbo with capital T didn't make sense, really, given that's how I was intending to use it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a good thing, actually, because I did run into a problem with uh, the, the GTS through the winter. Oh, really? Porsche has since fixed the issue, but uh, they changed the design of the turbos from 991.1 to 991.2. Um, and uh, the connector rods for the wastegates were really exposed. And so what ended up happening with all the salt that we get on our roads over here totally kicked it and gunked it up. And so one day the check engine light went on because the turbos wanted to kick in, but they couldn't. Oh, just as a safety with that wastegate not operating. Yeah, and it wouldn't have really done anything horrible, right? There's a risk of overheating the engine, but you have to be pushing the car hard. Uh, So anyways, they they swapped out the turbos, which was wonderful. And the, the new design eliminates the risk of this happening because oh, wow. I guess other people had it happen as well. Yeah, so. it's pretty significant. So, I mean, was it, um, I'm not getting into the crazy technicalities of yeah. it, but was that a full turbo swap out or was that yeah, just yeah, the they, replacement they of wastegate? They swapped out both turbos wow. because what, again, I think, uh, if I if I remember correctly from uh, the Porsche dealership, they said they, they actually changed the design of the turbo so that it was a single integrated unit. It's like, oops. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that was an error in hindsight. Yeah. It would yeah. be nice to have it as a Cold weather piece. testing and cold weather testing is one weather, thing, but cold weather testing test. with salt <laughs> yeah, is a whole other. It's just ridiculous the amount of salts that we put on, right? On all yeah. that brine and whatnot. No, it's shameful how much salt we put on the ridiculous. roads uh, yeah. compared to other, you know, nor- well, say Nordic, you know, northern climates around the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's shameful. Even other yeah. provinces don't use the amount of salt that we do in Ontario. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, totally. Um, so did you drive that here today? I did. I did. Nice. It's parallel park just up the road from here. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. I would always feel so apprehensive about parking it anywhere, even parallel parking it and just like rubbing those wheels. I had the worst ever. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's the thing. I'm really, really, really good at parallel parking. And the reason <laughs> is I lived in Paris for a couple of years. Paris, ah, France. Okay. And yeah, uh, Not Paris, Ontario. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And I learned how not to parallel park pretty quickly mm-hmm. in, in France. So I could, you know, one hand it uh, and awesome. you know, not even look. Both sides it. of the road, no problem. Both sides of the road, yeah, no problem. Yeah, that's the key. Um, uh, early on in my uh, driving days in Paris, I did rip off a, uh, a wing mirror. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so, you know, and being a student at the time and not having a lot of money, is a, it's mm-hmm. a lesson quickly learned very, yeah. uh, very that's well. It's a, <laughs> a big lesson. <laughs> I have rubbed a few curbs in my day. Yeah. The most embarrassing moment uh, of my life on record, which a few listeners will laugh really hard about in this because they were involved. Um, I was working for an event company that represented Nissan. This is when the 350Z was the hot new item. And we had a brand new 
black uh, sport pack uh, equipped 350Z. We're headed to Z Fest or Z Fest out at Appleby College. Oh, Appleby um, College at yeah. Z Fest? Yeah. No way. I had to um, stop and pick up one of my colleagues at, uh, at a, at a uh, I can't remember the name of the hotel. Anyway, so, the, but they had this little kind of, um, you know, uh, pass through that you could drive up and into to pick up somebody from their, um, from the front lobby. Okay. Yeah. And I moved up and I was waiting for him and I was perfectly parked and this cab got up behind me and was honking at me to move forward. And I, I was still kind of frazzled by all of it. And I'm in right. this brand new car that I'm being so oh, cautious gosh. with. And I inch my way, maybe eight inches forward and here. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, immediately I stop and I didn't even know what to do. Do I back up? Do I yeah. keep going forward? Do I turn the wheel? Do I not turn the wheel? Um, I was on my way. To, yeah. and this was like this. These were those beautiful Rays engineering staggered 18s in the front, oh. 19s in the rear. This wow. gorgeous setup. And yeah. I just curbed oh. the front wheel. And oh. it had, I think the car had maybe like a thousand kilometers on it. <laughs> and so we're about to, we take it out to the show and nobody notices. It's on display. We oh. detailed it perfectly. Okay. Awesome. And um, one of the product guys who will name uh, remain unnamed in this show because yeah. maybe he'll listen someday walks up and it was like it, it was like he had radar in three seconds he immediately looked he down immediately and goes oh Ugh. that what happened there <laughs> he said yeah I curbed it and he said oh my god we're gonna have to replace that wheel and to me a yeah. super broke student at the time yeah. who was working and helping them out i mean that was just like crushing for yeah. me at that point to this day i've never felt so uh, uneasy about parallel park or sorry uh, yeah, parallel parking a car yeah. when yeah. i know that there are very important wheels on that vehicle yeah. Yeah. um and and i say that because it was crushing anyway sorry i just had to tell that story because it was on my mind as you're yeah. talking about that um but i have actually news to everybody listening um it's on a boat right now, but um, I've ordered my new car. Oh. Um, and so it should be here in about, I mean, it was five to six weeks about mm -hmm. a week ago. So I'm just still going to say it's six weeks away yeah, just yeah. so I don't, you know, get too excited about it. Yeah. What did you go for? But I ordered um, because I'm a Subaru guy and I'm working with Subaru. So I, uh, I was going to get a, a BRZ. Mm -hmm. BRZ because I really like the idea of the two-door coupe and mm -hmm. being able to do autocross events and you know I, I feel baby like baby stroller when I walked up yeah <laughs> but I have a cross track the cross track's <laughs> oh, okay. fine that's the okay. that's the family machine okay um so that's being actually swapped out in a couple of weeks um for a 2018 Outback okay and so that's what Courtney and I will drive with the family mm -hmm. and I thought great to have a two-door coupe okay. fun BRZ um, they hold their value really well. And I think right. in 15 years, as long as it didn't have a lot of kilometers on it, mm -hmm. it'd be an interesting car to have hold of. I'm not going to get rich off of it. I started specking things out and started understanding what my great discount I get through them is. And, um, well, maybe a WRX. I really like the idea of a WRX. Yeah. Continued on. Um, I ended up buying an STI. <laughs> <laughs> and so nice. I've got a 2018, um, 2018 base STI. Okay. So the 18s instead of the 19s, you get a little bit better ride, I find, out of the 18s. Yeah. Um, uh, wing delete. So nice. no big wing. Nice. Uh, charcoal gray on Tasty. the black with the red trim interior. Mm -hmm. yeah. Super subtle uh, yeah. STI front lip and STI performance exhaust on it. And right. that'll be done. And I just have my, my dream car. I've wanted that ever since I uh, started awesome. into cars. And yeah. um, that's what prompted the whole curbing the wheel conversation because yeah. I just couldn't imagine doing that with that car. And yeah. be... Okay, so uh, we've got to get into the meat of what everybody's going to be really interested in. We're going to move into the real feature of our chat tonight. So, And it's all quite fitting when I did some light reading on you and I stumbled across an article that quoted you speaking of the business you're CEO of now. And you'd said that your product, although far less efficient, uh, or sorry, far more efficient, far more efficient, uh, would likely lead to selling less of that exact product, right. um, which to most businesses is a bad thing. Um, but for you, you'd said maybe so, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And so that to me is why having such a special vehicle commissioned by Singer <laughs> is just so fitting. And so that's why I want to move into um, this whole experience with Singer and your 911 reimagined by Singer. I'll start off by saying for the rest of the show, I'm not going to say a Porsche 911 reimagined by Singer. I may refer to it by, as a 911 by Singer or your 911 um, with all due respect to both Singer and Porsche. Uh, we will now refer to it as what we want. All right. All right. Very good. <laughs> okay. So. 
Tell us how it all started. You know, what was it that made you fall in love with these vehicles that have been reimagined yeah. by Singer? Which I think is a really fitting way to describe what it is that they've done. So yeah. reimagined to some could just be a design philosophy. It could just be, um, you know, resto modding something. Mm -hmm. But reimagined by Singer has become synonymous with, you know, perfection. Yeah. Uh, or at least for me, maybe not by the Porsche engineers and maybe not yeah, by some you, others, but you get purists I think by the, everybody's got their you know, yeah, by those who really understand what's been done, um, you know, it's really at the top of its game. And so, yeah, what was it? How did it all start? Well, it's it's kind of funny that uh, I went and got the first Canadian commission of uh, of a Porsche 911 by Singer. Um, because I was never a Porsche 911 person i right. uh, always looked at these cars that you know other people had fascinations with and i thought you know it's just the, the shape is just there's something wrong i know the proportionality is off whatever it's too narrow in the hips mm -hmm. uh, the narrow bodies of course and so it's just not something that really jumped out at me and i'm into older cars first and foremostly for aesthetics that's what drives the passion for me mm-hmm and uh, I think many of your listeners probably have watched the original Top Gear series. I mean, there was whatever number of seasons. And I think this was maybe season 21. I think, it, episode yeah, somewhere around five, there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Where, um, I guess it was James May, Captain Slow did a tiny little segment on... Uh, on uh, it was sort of a dual car segment. It was the the newest generation of nine elevens, the nine nine one chassis, and uh, coupled with this little piece on the Singer, mm -hmm. and uh, they put the Singer on a turntable, and you got to see it from every angle. And literally, it was okay. It's another nine eleven piece. I was sort of half distracted. I think I was looking at my mobile while I was sitting in front of the TV, and then. Uh, <laughs> The singer pop, uh, captures my eye, and I just dropped everything, and I just stared at the thing. And then uh, the segment rewind. finished, rewind. and I hit rewind yeah. exactly, yeah. and I watched it again. It was stunning. It again. caught me too. That exact moment. It was just like, oh my god, whatever this, they've done to this thing, it's just absolutely perfect. I couldn't put my finger on it at that point because I certainly wasn't any sort of expert on Porsche 911. So then uh, what I did was I checked my mobile phone. I said, like, "What's the time? Minus three hours. What's the time in LA?" Ooh business hours tail end of business hours but let's try come on google, really yeah rapidly google singer vehicle design find a phone number call them right then and there you know uh youtube's on uh, or top gears on pause i should say <laughs> and uh lo and behold who picks up the phone rob rob dickinson himself the man. come on this is crazy <laughs> yeah the man himself picks up and uh yeah so we started chatting and uh you know, the funniest thing is, and, you know, if, if memory serves correctly, it was a long conversation, but I think it was like over an hour, maybe close to an hour and a half of just chit-chatting with Rob. And we actually didn't talk about singers. We talked about so many other things, you know, what he's working on, where his passion comes from, what his background was. He wanted to know more about my passion for cars and where it comes from and I mean, it was all very well thought out by him, I think, you know, he and I learned this through the process that they really try and understand the individual mm -hmm. as they're commissioning the vehicle. But uh, I talked to him about my uh, my first vintage car, which was that uh, Alfa Romeo. And he just, you know, stopped dead in his tracks and he just wanted to talk about it. He was obsessive about it. It's one of his favorite vehicles. And he dreams and dreams and dreams of having <laughs> one of these uh, Bertone Coupes. Uh, one day for himself and you know in retrospect I think that's that whole conversation is particularly what sold me on the vehicle because he did not try to sell me a commission ah uh, that's so cool he tried smart to move yeah yeah absolutely uh, he tried to sell me on my own passions right and made me rediscover what got me so excited about cars so anyways we left uh, we left off the conversation with uh, let me go figure out finances because I really, really, really want one of these things and I got to imagine it's not inexpensive. So let me just take a look at things and uh, I'll give you guys a call back uh, in a couple of days or whatever, which I did. And uh, in the meantime, they sent me a bill sheet to start ticking boxes and seeing what I want. And I order all my cars the same way. It's like if it's, uh, if it's got an option Beside it, if it's an optional extra, in my mind, it's an imperative. You must have this. <laughs> right. <laughs> that get to the max, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, which I did. And uh, they quoted me and uh, I said, okay. 
done. Let's, Let's do see. this. Wow. What happens next? <laughs> yeah. You send us a deposit and uh, right. we uh, lock in a bill slot and uh, we start hunting down your donor because you said... You said you don't have a 964. I said, no, I don't. So, uh, yeah, let's go find one, which they help with. They help you with that. Right. Okay. And I mean, they must kind of look at you going, well, you know, he's from Canada. Do you yeah. really want a Canadian 964 or do you want something else? And I know there's a unique story behind that, too, when it comes to like registration and making sure that car yeah. can so, easily uh, happen here in Canada. Exactly. So, you know, every market has their nuances. In Canada, we've got our own emissions program and mm-hmm. this and that, the other, whatever, right? So it just makes it a lot more sensible. If you can find, if you could find an Ontario car, you're all set. If you can find a Canadian car, it's a little bit easier because the best thing to do is to bring your donor into your hometown, mm-hmm. get it all plated and registered, whatever, uh, emissions tested, etc. then send it down for the restoration work, right? Because then it's just a restoration job and uh, there's, there's a lot less complexity to the whole process. Right, yeah. Um, okay. And so, you know, you, you talked about, you know, calling and Rob picked up the phone. And yeah. I think it's important to note for anyone who doesn't know anything about Singer, that's Rob Dickinson. So Rob is the right. founder of yes. and CEO of and yeah. the driving Visionary force behind... motive driving force, exactly. Right, so behind, behind the whole enterprise. Um, Singer. And, um, you know, he's a um, successful musician early yeah. in his career. Former life. Um, well, his first former... life was uh, a design, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, design engineer for Lotus. What? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. I had no, no clue. His background is originally automotive. He got sidetracked ah, that into makes the so world much of sense. music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a relative, actually, Bruce Dickinson, who is the lead singer of which heavy metal band? I don't remember which one. Nor, nor do I. I'm the, I'm the worst on music trivia. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very famous name. It's along the lines of Led Zeppelin or Metallica <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> right. And your listeners who do know music are going to be mortified by my inability to quote which band he's from. But Bruce Dickinson, uh, I think, had some influence as well on Rob. And that's how Rob ended up. Uh, that was brother Bruce? Uh, cousin, I think. Cousin. Okay, so it was. Uh, oh my gosh, I just I, we just have to get to the bottom of it right now. Oh my god, <laughs> Google um, Okay, let's uh, look at. Oh, it's awful. Why can't I find this quickly? Okay, well we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on <laughs> let's, it. Let's, let's uh, not waste I'll, our precious. Yeah, time I will let the. Um, oh, oh my god, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Thank oh, you, wow, Maiden. that's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I'm awful. <laughs> oh, you're awful. I couldn't even quote. What did I say? Metallica and Let's Up. That's crazy. Rob's hey, going to listen to this and just going to fall off his chair. Just, it's like, I'm taking the Toronto Commission back. You yeah, deserve it's it. Gone. it. Taking that fucking car away from you. Um, no, but uh, I mean, it just goes to show we're passionate about cars, not yes, so much about music. Exactly. I mean, I love music. I love music as well, but just um, Okay, metal. so Rob, right. So um, in terms of the those first steps with Rob, at Singer, you now made a deposit. You'd said you'd found a build slot for it. Um, and so, yeah. which at that time wasn't super challenging because, right, uh, because you were car number 25, 25 in the queue. Yeah. Um, and so now we've started the process um, from, from that point forward. Yeah. How long did that take um, from, you know, when you initiated and you put your money down and you, yeah. you know, you found your build slot? There'd been 24 prior to you. Yeah, it, it all moved really quickly. I think the, the phone call to Rob was sometime in the month of November. Oh, what would it be? Uh, 2013 or 2014? Okay. Uh, 2013, let's say. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it was 2013. That's right. Yeah. November 2013. By December, just after Christmas, I'd purchased the, the donor vehicle, which came in to me from Vancouver. Uh, but it actually been brought into Vancouver from the U.S. Uh, oh, okay. By some enterprising Vancouverite. Uh, so it was in, in perfect condition and... Uh, Perfect meaning that uh, you got to laser measure uh, the the car. It's got to be within one millimeter of factory specs. Wow. Yeah. That's so, tight. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's what a singer demands. You know, they want it as uh, tight as possible. Right. So um, clearly, no, 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 no accidents, no that, rebuilds. That's basically exactly yeah. what they're looking for. Yeah. So they they take care of that. They find places that can get things laser measured and whatnot. So mm-hmm. that got all mm-hmm. done up in uh, in Vancouver. And uh, when they said this car looks good, we can we are willing to work on this car. <laughs> Go ahead and purchase it. Uh, that's what I did, and I brought it to Toronto, and then shipped it down. Actually, no, 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 no. Sorry, I didn't bring it to Toronto. And that's where that was the lesson learned, that it would have been better to bring it to Toronto, 
plate it, register it, uh, e-test it, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then send it down. So I sent it directly from Vancouver to LA. Because ah, so it was, was registered in Vancouver first? Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. Right. And I sent a, a BC car down. And uh, so that was the lesson learned. So every client in Canada after me didn't have to suffer, <laughs> suffer the same <laughs> You're the test mule. I was the test mule. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, while it was being built... Um, did you go and visit? Like, what did you do? What oh, kind of yeah. interaction well, or involvement did you have four, in the process? Four visits down to, but I've, I keep going down because, I mean, the guys have, first of all, become friends. Secondly, oh, it's uh, so awesome. <laughs> it's just, I mean, LA, particularly during the cold weather, great place to go and hang uh-huh. out. And, uh-huh. uh, Not you know, an awful just, person to visit or a facility to visit, I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's, it's just a great environment to bask in, especially their, their workshop. And I've made friends with the, even some of the, the, the people on the workshop floor who are doing the... The wrenching on the cars, not just the design and management wow. guys. Yeah, it's it speaks volumes uh, about the the people that work for the company. And I remember after my first visit, I got back to the hotel room after two exhaustive days of you know going through my spec and thinking and rethinking and debating and being challenged by Rob on certain ideas that I had and whatnot and challenging him back. Absolutely thoroughly exhausting. I wrote him like probably a two page email just on you know, how incredibly enamored I was with the process, number one, but number two, with uh, how impressed I was with the people in this company and that, mm-hmm. you know, the people is really, truly what I believe make Singer what it is. Right. Beyond just uh, their ability to envision great ideas and, and, and manifest it into reality, but uh, the way they treat their clients, the way they treat each other, the whole customer experience was just brilliant. So I started throwing some ideas at Rob at, you know, you know, as you grow and you take things forward, you know, you could think of doing this, you could think of doing that because, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed this client experience, but you could formalize that as part of the whole package. And they've been working on all those sorts of things, of course, and they've grown in leaps and bounds since, you know, Commission 25 was put into the books for them. Right. I mean, yeah. how many how many cars have they produced since then? Uh, you know? Well, the last time I asked, which was probably a couple months ago, and uh, I'm probably going to misquote figures, but I think at that time, 90-something was being pushed out the door, but they wow. had uh, comfortably over 200 in the order books. Wow. Yeah. Plus their, what's, uh, I'm forgetting, the lightweight design study vehicles. Uh, that... Well, yes, the, uh, the DLS... Uh, I think that's what they call it, the DLS. Uh, but yeah, the lightweight d- design study, the, the the singer on steroids, basically. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other story. Now. That's a whole other story. The one that they've partnered with uh, uh, McLaren. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, sorry, Williams McLaren. Uh, right. Williams McLaren. And there's one other amazing partner in that. I can't remember either. Yeah. Well, the, they, they partnered with Michelin for the for the rubber on the road. Okay. And, uh, who else? Oh, I don't know. It's a long list of collaboration sure. partners. But yeah, that that's sort of a different enterprise, actually. That right. doesn't actually even fall under single vehicle design. Okay. It was such a intensive, uh, financially intensive, energy intensive project Perfect. that they decided to carve that out into a different entity, corporate entity. And in fact, those are not even getting built in LA. Those are getting put together in uh, the UK. Right, in their factory there. Yeah, they've got a special facility there and you can go and visit. And of course, I want one. <laughs> hey, so do I. <laughs> I want one, but uh, I've promised some things to my wife. So uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, <laughs> don't think I, I can uh, knock that one off my list. And it's a limited production. I think it started uh, at 67, but they upped it to 75. Limited production of 75 right. and the first 75, well, not the first 75, each of the 75 uh, get shopped out to existing clients first. And so existing clients right. have a first right of refusal. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything left over, it'll go to the, <laughs> the, to the general market. But public. when you've got like 200 clients in your books, I mean, the, if you got the money sitting there, you'd be an idiot, in my opinion, to not exercise the right to to take on one of these commissions. Yeah. I mean... I... It's a world that I def- definitely don't play in, but I understand the economics of it. And when you look at it and go, I have the opportunity to buy this now. And I know that Singer clearly would not be um, all that enthusiastic about you reselling one of their cars or one of their products. But just the, they're, just the retained not... value of that yeah. vehicle now for you to be able to have that if you're one of the few that was lucky enough to grab it off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you mean start with less. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah if you were to take one of them and flip it, that would be a little shameful. Oh, I for think. sure. Um, but if you're going to hold on to it and it's something that maybe, let's say, is in your family or is part of your investment strategy or whatever it ends up being, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, if you have the money, I think it's a smart investment. Yeah, I think it's, 
I, what I was telling Rob when he walked me through, he had this little skunk works that, you know, nobody was allowed into except people that he handpicked to, to take in. And he took me in there for two hours one day. Oh, no way. When he was still just clay molding the thing. And, oh, my you God. Know, and, <laughs> Did you get to see that at that point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Wow. And he talked me through the whole thing. And I said, you know, Rob, with this list of collaborators that you've lined up for this project and what I'm seeing here, I mean, this is really something that's... Um, it's going to be viewed upon in the future as a hallmark of the evolution of what was possible with 9-11 because what he, oh, Hans Metzger. Is, ah, that's uh, right. Right, right, from yeah, the side, yeah, what he uh, did was he tapped into the, the mind of, of uh, Hans Metzger and uh, Metzger always wanted this engine to evolve further, right? The, the air-cooled engine. Yeah. Uh, he believed that it could be uh, do so much more, but of course, corporate and financial Sure. Uh, motivations dictate certain actions that a cor- company must take. So the full potential of, of uh, those engines had never been unleashed. And uh, so, and, and uh, Rob understood this. And of course, Hans Metzger himself understood Yeah, who better than so, the man who did it the first yeah, time? Yeah, so bring him in to, to consult on it. And so they did God. things that Hans always wanted to have done. And they've got this beast that produces, what is it, some 500 and some horsepower out of naturally aspirated yeah. uh, engine? Wow. In a stunning form as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, as we, you know, wipe the drool off of our chins yes, yeah, on that, um, getting back to your car, which is, in my opinion, equally as drool-worthy, um, in the build of it, is there anything special or unique? You know, you talked about a lot of this time and back and forth and um, challenging Rob and, yeah. you know, kind of understanding the design philosophy, but also wanting to have your own kind of um, unique um, point of view infused into the car. Was there anything in there in particular that you can say was, you know, that was me. I did that. I really wanted that and we got that. And this is part of what I, I hoped I would have out of my, my car, my build. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of that actually. Um, because as uh, people who know me really well, I, I really like to, to push the limits of what's I'm told is possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not possible. So it all starts with the exterior color choice and, um, the gentleman at Singer who uh, got me, uh, walked me through the design specification process was a, a gentleman by the name of Russ Tyler. And he said, you know, just think of it this way. What car have you seen, you know, that just, you know, made your heart stop when you saw it? And just remember the color of that. And what was it? And it, actually, it turned out to be a 50th anniversary 911 Porsche 911. Okay, right. And they came in two colors, right? There was a darker gray and a, this lighter sort of gray, and that lighter sort of gray was actually Kaiser Gray Metallic. So I was like, you know what? That's the color. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that was an easy decision. And I said, the only thing I'd like to do with that Kaiser Gray Metallic is just warm it up a hint, because in certain lights, the factory Kaiser Gray Metallic paint is, is really kind of cold looking. Okay. So I just, you know, Kaiser Gray Metallic, please, warm it up just a little mm-hmm. hint. And promise me that you will never let any other client spec this this paint color because it no wasn't way, part of the really? paint book. Oh yeah. my god! Because wow. Singer had I don't know what over 50, 70, 80 different colors you could choose from that they'd all concocted themselves. Mm-hmm. And I said no, I want something outside of it. So I think that was nice move. Step I like number that. one, right? And it's not like they they would they balked at it in any way. And I think other clients have done exactly the same thing, uh, come up with their own color. Um, and then when it came to specking the interior, I was like, well, that's a bit of a retro retro paint uh, shade, which is exactly what Porsche was going for, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, we should really try and make the interior as retro as possible. Let's think, you know, 60s, 70s, lounges. What did they have? A lot of tobacco, olivey green colors, this and that. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. see if we can concoct that sort of, um, that sort of feel for, for the cabin. But I'd also seen some of the earlier commissions of singers where they had the painted floors that they call the jacuzzi area and I was like I really like that look as well but mm-hmm. I also really like that other commission that's got <laughs> leather everywhere because when you crack open the door oh my god you're just assaulted oh yeah by uh by the the scent of leather so can we start incorporating and weaving some of these things together can I get like uh, a, a leather can I find a leather that's similar to my paint color and just line the floor so that from a distance it looks like it's a painted jacuzzi and they're like yeah we can do that and then they open up their leather book which is all supplied by Spinnyback, which was actually originally a Canadian company. Wow. Until they moved south of the border to Buffalo. But yeah, so it's huh. got Canadian origins. And it's just such a wonderful collection of leathers, of different different textures and just a plethora of colors. So it was very easy to find the, the leather for the floor. But I'm 
eccentric as I am, <laughs> went with suede instead of a leather. Ah, right. Okay. Having yes. an automotive or a marine grade leather on the floor would have been far more intelligent than <laughs> uh, having this l- very luxurious looking white suede yeah. on the floor. Not right. quite white, but something a little bit more bone colored. And uh, yeah, so that's what we went with. Uh, and then it was like, well, you know, your dash tops and your steering wheel and your door toppers and the parcel shelf in the back, they're black on every car. Why? Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can't we do something different? Because, you know, the black isn't going to really tie in with the design theme that I've got going. They're like, you know what? No one's ever asked yeah. us. Why not? There's, why not? It's just a leather color. Yeah. So I was like, boom. Okay, so we're going to do, you know, the door tops, the parcel shelf, the, the dash top in this different color. And we certainly can't have a black prototypo steering wheel. Can you wrap a leather? <laughs> she- well, we haven't done that yet, but our leather guy's really good. Let's ask him. We'll make it happen. No kidding. And then uh, they had, uh, so I, I got the, uh, I don't know what they call them, the touring seats, the, the seat that Rob designed himself. And it's got uh, the, the, the back wasn't, uh, it was in a piano black finish. Okay. And my, and I'm, Proven right. The, uh, the 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 single greatest fear I have with a piano black finish is as you wipe it down and take care of it over time, it gets micro abrasions. Yeah. And such a big surface yeah. getting micro abraded like that is yeah. just a pain in the ass to polish out again. Yeah. So uh, I said, uh, okay, you know what? Uh, we're gonna have to wrap the the backs of the seats as well. And they said, well, we've never done that, <laughs> but um, I think we can make it work. We could adjust this. We could adjust that. So, yeah, push really push the limits on on what they realize that they can do. And clients since me have taken it even further. You know, you've seen Singer commissions that have plaid leather weave interior mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know stripes and this and that and whatnot. Uh, houndstooth. So I didn't get quite that far with my imagination. My my limits came to swapping out leather colors and wrapping certain leather, uh, certain elements in leather that weren't uh, done prior to that in the previous twenty four cars. But uh, yeah, it's for 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 Singer, I'm told that it was a, a bit of a special build because it got them realizing how bespoke they could actually go with the car. And then of course they ran with it and ran with it with yeah, their they, clients. Oh my God. They really have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, um, and Lawrence Yap to, you know, hopefully Lawrence listens to this because Lawrence came by and brought the, um, he brought the singer brochure, the singer order. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably not the order book, but yeah, you know, their brochure. And as I'm looking through it and just looking at the different materials that you can choose, I mean, even your, um, your, uh, both your bumper and your your bumper, your door handles and your mirrors, you'd chosen a particular um, type of oh, metal as the, well for that. That just blew my mind. I couldn't capture it yeah, in the photo. It's not the metal so much. Like everything's uh, done in uh, this nickel finish that okay. uh, Rob had come up with. So okay, it's got okay. a bit of a tiny uh, golden yellowish hue mm-hmm. to it, which actually goes with my paint color supremely well. Yeah, it really does. But what they do, it was hilarious. I can't remember which visit it was, second or third visit later on in the build. This, this gentleman walks out with like, it's kind of like being offered a... Uh, a selection of cigars, you know, what, what strikes your fancy today? The Cohiba, the Partagas, what is it? Right. No, he lays out this, you know, this uh, uh, palette of, I think it was five or maybe seven different uh, pieces of nickel, mm-hmm. each buffed to a slightly a higher level of finish. polish. Oh, yeah, no from, way. From really dead matte, kind of like the uh, the finish on your, your laptop here, mm-hmm. to like a highly polished mirror. Okay. And so you go... <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling very inclined towards you know uh, <laughs> nickel piece number four here. You know that's uh, so mine is uh, a bit of a satin finish. It's got a little bit of a, a sheen to it, and you've got to be careful as you clean your car as well because you don't want to start polishing that to a shine. Right. Yeah. As well, right, because it's it's sort of hard to go <laughs> in reverse when it comes to the the finish. Although Singer will fix anything. I was going to say I've never considered that, but I feel like they'd probably be up for it. Um, okay, so I mean. Uh, the all of the aesthetics are staggering on the car and when i when i came to visit you and thank you again for hosting me to be able to come and take a look at it i mean you can't look anywhere and not be impressed by a single surface or a finish or even like the knurling on some of the you know on some of the um, the switches or the dial like you know everything about it felt so it just it was incredibly thoughtful um and so the aesthetic of it is one thing but of course driving it is yeah. another thing oh, and driving it is phenomenal and so 
you know, over the course of a, you know, a year, I mean, you have a, you have a, a, an awesome collection of cars. I mean, with that car, how much do you put into driving it? Like, do you drive it a lot? Do you drive it Absolutely. kind of the bare minimum? Are you, you know, supremely cautious with it all? Like, how do you treat that as a driving machine? Yeah. So I, I, I'm not afraid to drive it. I've, uh, average 3,000 kilometers a season. Oh, and our nice. driving season is short, as you know, right? Yeah, so it, it, it generally gets out on the road sometime in May. Yep. Uh, once the uh, the salt is comfortably off the roads and, you know, it goes back into hibernation October 31st, nothing past Halloween. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, just to be safe. And, uh, yeah, so about 3,000 kilometers a year is what I've averaged. Uh, it's waiting to come out on the road right now, and it's got 9,000 or so kilometers on it, and mm-hmm. I've driven it for three seasons. Um. I do need to be a little bit uh, cautious with it again for that eccentric choice of uh, white suede on the floor because oh, right. while I would love to take it out on a multi-day tour, like if one of the days it was raining or something, oh my god, and, yeah, you know your That'd white shoes come in and it touches the suede, it's just destroyed. <laughs> you need it's the little, be destroyed. you need the little booties. It's funny. Yeah, I, well, I made my wife wear the booties <laughs> for a while when she got into the car. And she was just like, you know, you know what, this I, is ridiculous. I'm really sorry to your wife right now if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> she was like, this is ridiculous. I don't need to ride in the Singer. I'll ride in one of the other cars. I said, well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. I mean, it's got to be a pretty interesting and really personal experience being able to drive that. I yeah. mean, it's a... It's certainly an achievement in its own, and, and and you know, obviously, your I think your career has been a reflection of that. But being able to have that moment or those moments to yourself to be able to just go out and drive yeah, has got to be wickedly, wickedly gratifying. Yeah, the most spectacular drive I did with the car uh, was last year. Uh, it was a day long uh, drive, thousand kilometers there and back. We went to Heiner. Heiner State National Park, I think is what it's called. Heiner Mountain, basically, in Pennsylvania. Okay. Where's that? Sorry, Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania, All yeah. Right. We had a really early start. I think we were up at like 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, a group of us. I don't know how what time of year? Four or five. Um, summer, middle of summer. Yeah, middle of summer, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, beautiful forecast, no risk of, of rain and this and that. And uh, Wait, does it, have, does it have wiper blades? It has wipers. The car? It has wiper arms, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I was going to say, blades. wait, does it have wipers? Yeah. <laughs> it would be cool if it had a, a rear wiper right yeah so if yeah. i were to ever do it again i'd find a donor car that had the rear wiper uh mechanism already in it because mm-hmm. i just think that it's just so it's the retro appeal of that actually the targa 4 gts the daily car has a rear wiper on it partially because i'm planning on driving i, I drove it through winter yeah uh but partially because of the retro appeal of that wiper blade i do i mean i love that anyway yeah. sorry yeah some just, people don't like it but i think yeah. it's great <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, yeah, it was just a stunning day. We got up super early and uh, we did this drive, 1,000 kilometers. And uh, I have a really good friend who loves uh, organizing these types of drives. And he generally does multi-day drives. I've done a number of them with him. But uh, uh, he said, let's just do, he called it the full immersion tour. Okay. Right? Just, you know, we're going to just soak ourselves into some uh, amazing, amazing roads. And we're just going to go hardcore, uh, pack a lunch. We'll get to the top of the mountain. We'll have lunch and we'll bomb all the way back and, that's uh, awesome that a thousand kilometer tour and uh yeah uh, there were some great roads and uh, uh jason my friend who organizes these drives he said you know you love to just you know rip down these uh, some of these great roads and i know this c- stretch that's coming up for a few miles is, is a spectacular stretch so you, you go out in front of me you lead the pack and then when you get to the stop sign at the end wait and let everybody catch up and i'll take over the lead so he was following me, and he was following really hard. He's a very good driver as well, apart from being a great tour organizer. And he was just, when we got to the stop sign, he jumped out of his car. He ran up to me. He's like, you were shooting flames. You were shooting flames. And, like, I don't know if he was scared or excited or both. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know these cars do that. It's, it's yeah, all cool. You just reach out for a high five. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just reach it, out for the high it, five. It does that. Yeah, when you push it really hard, it'll do that. And That's awesome. I I mean, who doesn't of, want a car that shoots flames? Yeah, exactly. I was I was a little bit in his state of mind the first time I saw it shoot flames because on one of those visits down to Singer while the build process was on, mm-hmm. they took me screaming up um, uh, one of the uh, Like the, the canyon roads, roads the canyon out there? Roads yeah. Behind yeah. their shop. And uh, we were two singers. My wife was in one and I was in the other. Oh, no way. Yeah, my wife was in the lead one, just shitting her pants. <laughs> and Sorry, wife. <laughs> she but doesn't need the whole so. world to hear this. It's not like a car you go slow in and normally. Yeah. 
And I was in the car behind it, and the, the lead car was shooting flames. And so, you know, when we got back to the singer shop, it's like, um, I think there's something wrong with the car and shooting flames. I'm like, no, no, by design, my friend. By yeah. Design. yeah, no, we we want that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is by design. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I feel like I mean we could probably spend five hours talking about yes, your car. I mean, I probably certainly could, and I'm sure everybody could listen to that at the same yeah. time, but. Um, for the sake of what we're um, what we're doing here, I, I did want to ask you. Um, this is a pretty lofty question, but if you could have Rob and the Singer team reimagine any other car on the planet now, mm. what would it be? And I mean, it, it's it's interesting because it's become a verb. You know, to could would you Singer something or you know could you Singerize something? Yeah. You know, what would it be? Um, and I know that there's. Um, I'd love to have him Singerize my home. <laughs> oh my god that's amazing could you imagine that's such or a good idea just singerize my garage your home you're like i just want an entire home yeah. singerized yeah or just, because, just you know, a garage let's be let's be honest just a garage is all <laughs> yeah. that's important to the me. garage would be really good because you've got guys like and i don't necessarily want to um paint them with the same brush but you've got um someone like jonathan ward doing all of the icon four by four and yeah. the derelicts yeah. um and i would kind of lump them into similar categories, mm-hmm. not the same by any means. Yeah. And he's been known super well for the Broncos and the FJs, yeah. um, which are gorgeous. And, yeah. and, you know, I think they've, they're into their own. Um, but what else is out there? What would it be? What do you think you could, you, you would have them? For me, my give heart a is treatment? really set on getting into the collection. Uh, and I, I want all my cars to be singerized. And that's sort of what I've aspired to. And then singer came along and just took it all to a whole new level of what is understandably possible yeah when you restore reimagine a car right so um what i really want next and what i would love to have singerized is a uh, mercedes-benz 280 sl pagoda uh the pagoda yeah right but but although all of my cars including the daily driver is a stick shift mm-hmm. i would want a pagoda and automatic because that car is just built for cruising. Yeah, it's a Gentle, for sure. meandering right. with your wife in the seat beside <laughs> you, just cruising along, head out to wine country or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think it just it's, it's very well suited and automatic. So that's what I would want. I love uh, it. That's a good answer. Yeah, and I think he could do a great job. What I wouldn't want necessarily done, what Singer has done with uh, the 911 is amp up the performance to a level that just makes it, you know... I. I I think what Rob really did was extract the most of the personality out of a 911 by mm-hmm. amping it up. So if you follow the philosophy of just, uh, you know, amping up the personality of the car, um, the personality of a, of a Pagoda is not a performance track machine, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. It's not so, this screaming beast. Yeah. It's, it doesn't it would need a little bit more of a subtle personality. Yeah. It doesn't need a monster engine to be singerized. I, I think right. that's the wrong way to think about singerizing. It's just, huh. uh, it's such a good point. Such a great way to think about it because, yeah. um, capturing that personality and that persona of that car is yeah. certainly what they've done with the 911 and that's it. I never thought about it that way when you you know you think about another vehicle and you you put it in that perspective that um you know a uh, a Dodge Shadow would mm-hmm. have a very different personality than a Pagoda than would a 911 mm-hmm. and uh, but I think he would treat it and they would treat it with that same kind of respect and approach um yeah. I love it and if there was another one beyond the Pagoda it would be uh, the classic mini and I know, uh, I know Rob would uh-huh. love to singerize the classic movie because I've had this exact same conversation with him. What else would you put your magic touch to? Oh, you have? Okay, Yeah, cool. yeah. And uh, the, the Mini was the first one that came out of his uh, mouth. Mm. Just like original Mini. Mini. The original Mini. Yeah. Um, is, uh, that, that is a vehicle that captured his imagination as well from, uh, from a younger age. And, and part of the recipe of, of uh, singerizing a vehicle is you want a, a model that there were plenty of, uh, how do I say it? Plenty of which were made, mm-hmm. right? You, mm-hmm. you don't want low production numbers because you don't want it to be taking a highly valuable collectible and then reimagining it. Sure. You know, uh, there's this abundance of them and they yeah. exist in these varying states of array, yeah. or disarray, sorry. Disarray, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the, yeah, exactly. You're not taking um, you're not taking some fucking crazy classic out of... Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I know that is some of the criticism that, that, that he falls under as well from yeah. the purists is... Sure, you know, everybody's got their great 964 out of the market. Pure aren't wrong, um, but 
then they don't have to buy one either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. You can find lots of great examples of 964s and yeah. put them in your garage and absolutely. never touch anything on them. But yeah. at the same point, yeah. I, I absolutely love what Singer has done and I'm yeah. just enamored by all of it. I mean, yeah. okay, so we've kind of, we've, we've come up against um, what um, I feel like is probably the extent of um, everyone's listening pleasure for this. But before we before we sign off, you have some very impressive other vehicles and to say other vehicles doesn't do them uh doesn't do them the service that i think it should uh, and i think we would probably talk about them on an entire other show but can you tell us a little bit about um there's three other vehicles in particular that yeah. are i've found to be super interesting when i came to see you two of which i saw one of which right. you told me about yeah um so your alpha and this we started talking about this alpha mm -hmm. and so this is the bertone coupe yes yeah and it's you know before you had the the singer 911 yeah this was a project that you had um and it was built by the guys at alphaholics that's right it's alphaholics um, nice prepped uh gt 1300 junior and i shouldn't call it a gt 1300 junior because it certainly doesn't drive like one this thing right. is a monster to drive it's just it's it's a thoroughbred horse because you know you take it out on the road and it's only really happy once you're flying Right. And it literally does feel like flying. And the thing is so well tuned. It's um, it's suspension and driving dynamics are so well tuned. Uh, I've taken it through some twisties in uh, northern Ontario on a, uh, a thousand kilometer uh, circuit in advance of the uh, the Alfa Romeo convention a number of years ago. It okay. was uh, held in Toronto. So they did a uh, I don't, can't remember what fancy name they gave to the tour but it was about a thousand kilometers and we wound our way around and ended up back in toronto again and uh taking it through those twisties uh the car feels like it's got esp like it knows where no it's kidding. supposed to go that's mm -hmm. the sensation that you get out of it it was it is aside from the singer probably the crispest handling vehicle that i've ever driven and uh like older older car that i've yeah. ever driven i mean yeah target for gts and it's pretty spectacular <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say but it's different yeah. you know it's different it's it's, uh, it's a different sort of crisp it's a raw uh, form of crispness and it just knows where it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to do it's absolutely mind-boggling vehicle um these uh race prepped uh alphaholics cars uh you know post some very impressive figures around the nurburgring <laughs> uh, crazy. i think it's uh it beats so we're now what generation of m3 so i think three generations ago what was that the e36 or whatever uh, yeah, I, yeah, i'm really bad the, with chassis yeah. numbers but um yeah hands down beats the a stock uh m3 around the track That's wild. Uh, basically in early 2000s okay three. Yeah, uh, so E36, the you know, BMW guys, will, I'm sure, yeah. flame me for it for yeah. getting the wrong number here. But yeah, yeah. So where and Alphaholics are, they're based out overseas. of Bristol, UK. Yeah. So which is a little right. bit west of London. So yeah. I'd, I'd found the uh, the Alpha in Venice, Italy. Uh, bought it sight unseen. Um, mm -hmm. Had it shipped up to Alphaholics, and uh, they did their thing. And uh, when it came back to Canada, I drove it for a while. Then a motorcyclist decided he wanted to bump into it. Oh, that's right. I remember yeah. you telling me that. Which was a little heartbreaking. It oh. didn't, well, I shouldn't say it didn't do <laughs> He was okay. It did enough. <laughs> no, he wasn't okay. No? Oh, no, man. He oh, no. ground his face for like 100 feet on asphalt. Oh. Yeah, he did a face plant and just kept going. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. And well, he was fully at fault for the thing. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> thank God for that because, no you know, kidding. somebody does that much damage to yourself, to himself, and it's your fault. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. he was just being an idiot out on the road. And right. He, he hit the alpha. So that was the opportunity to do a full cosmetic restoration on the car, which hadn't been done with alphaholic. So we didn't touch the body because oh, the body okay. was in I didn't realize shape. that. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't need to. It was in, in such beautiful cosmetic condition. Mm. Uh, that they said, okay, we'll just do all the mechanicals, save you some money as well. Besides which, the original ochre yellow was such a gorgeous color too. But this was the first car that I got my hands on with the opportunity to do some resto modding. Okay. And I thought, uh, what color have I always sort of dreamt of? And, you know, the candy apple red. I watched this ridiculous movie when I was a little kid called uh, Corvette Summer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and some people might remember it. I think Mark Hamill was in it. Luke Skywalker was in it. Anyway. <laughs> A bunch of auto shop kids uh, painted a Corvette candy apple red, and it sort of stuck in my head. It's like, yeah, candy apple red, and you know, red is an alpha color. And mm -hmm. the cars turned out absolutely stunningly beautiful, but I do miss that ochre yellow 
Right. Oh yeah, it's it's is. such a gorgeous color. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And and the finish of it, I mean, it's funny because I was so fascinated with the idea of the singer in 911 and then when you showed me the alpha it's like I couldn't stop looking at it. Yeah, like it's... I actually have found myself going back into my photos and looking at the photos I took from yeah. that day cuz I I just can't believe yeah. how beautifully built that yeah. machine was. And it's got some stunning details as well, but it's not quite to a singer level where they would For have sure, touched yeah. absolutely everything, right? Yeah. Um, and that's fine because uh, you don't want all of your cars to be like museum pieces, really. Right. You know, they, they each have their own little quirky character, and this has its sort of vintage Italian yeah. quirkiness to it a little bit. Well, I mean, and there's a bit of a theme going because then the other that I saw that was parked right beside it, just, you know, again, jaw drop was your, you have a Lancia... Delta Integrale. Yes, Evo 2, actually. Evo 2. Yeah. Oh, God. Why didn't I know that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, so that had just arrived recently uh, when you saw it. I think just uh, maybe two or three, four months. I hadn't, I haven't, not hadn't, I haven't still to this day really driven the thing. Yeah. I took it out for one day. Oh, my and God. And then... It's... Uh, fucking awesome it's yellow it's yellow it's uh it's still has plastic edition. on the door cards yes yeah, yeah, there are that few carpet. kilometers on it yeah exactly Seventeen thousand kilometers <laughs> so not very few i like smack my head off the microphone yeah, it's crazy but the car it was sitting inside a bubble in japan and uh, i have a friend uh here in toronto area that uh just as a hobby, loves to look into the Japanese market and see what gems are over there. In fact, he was over there, I think, last month okay. doing some more shopping. He <laughs> oh drops me a message, look at what I found, and you should buy this, and you should buy that. It's like, dude, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a couple. I'm good. There are issues with space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one step at a time. I just received the, uh, the Lancia. But uh, yeah, so that thing is in absolute pristine condition. And it's actually more of an investment piece for me. So mm -hmm, while mm -hmm. I like to restore and modify cars and put my own personal touch on it, it would be a travesty to do that to, to such a collectible vehicle at this point. And such low kilometers. Such low kilometers, exactly. And the thing is just absolutely, totally pristine. And uh, the only change I've made to it, because uh, i got to put a little bit of my own touch, is I swapped out the wheels. So mm -hmm, the factory mm -hmm. wheels are there. It's uh, in safe storage. Yeah. Um, but I put some uh, white powder-coated uh, 1552 Turbo Max. They look it, so good on that car. Looks, yes. Super well-fitted. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, I immediately saw that. And I was like, wait, are those 1552 wheels? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I found this like incredibly crazy stock representation of that Integrale Evo yeah. 2, which yeah. I miss, missed to mention at the, fir the first pass. But yeah. um, I love them, and they look so good. The white on the yellow is awesome. Yeah. Did yeah. I also just see a photo on your Instagram? Did you end up doing the like the pinstriping on it? Or on, the on, the, on the Lancia? No, not yet. I want to do a livery on the car. What was I saying? I thought I saw like white kind of plastic. Oh, the... that was the uh, protective plastic when oh, it was it shipped. Was. Oh, when see, was I thought it was like Japan. after you had like pinstriped and that was protective on. <laughs> that would uh... be like the crappiest livery ever. <laughs> Your listeners should go and look up that. Uh, photo no, I thought, on my I thought that was just like plastic protection on what underneath would have been like a no, new paint. No, no. Yeah, that was in. when it was shipped oh, okay. in. Uh, yeah, it had that on it. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I want to talk about your Mini because I know you've built a crazy Mini as well. Yeah. I want to talk about the E63 wagons. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll have to save it because I'd love it if you come back and do another one of these. Yeah, no, me. this was a ton of fun. I'd love to come back and uh, we can explore some of my other automotive proclivities. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, um, I think everyone would love to hear it um, as we live vicariously through you. Some of us, at least, some are living their own lives of this, this yes. uh, you know, um, collectible magnitude. Um, so in terms of, you know, your kind of automotive relationship, mm -hmm. um, you know, what's in store for 2018? Is there anything that you're, you know, you're just like pining away to want to be able to do, or are you just wanting to drive? Are you, you yeah. know, what, what, what's your plan for 2018? Well, what I really wanted to have as part of my plan for 2018 was that Singer DLS. We were oh my God. Yeah. yeah. But I had <laughs> promised my wife. So, um, we bought a house five years ago, which was the crappiest house in the nicest neighborhood mm -hmm. in uh, that part of town. And I promised my wife, it won't be a crappy house forever. <laughs> I convinced her to donate the dining room, which was above the garage. I knocked out the floor, made it a two-story garage and put a lift in and everything like that to oh. get myself some space. So she's lived without a lot in terms of an ideal home. Wow. Um, so I said, okay, you know what? We won't do the Singer DLS. <laughs> As I clenched my fists <laughs> under the table, we won't do the yeah. Singer DLS. We'll do the house. And so 
what we actually found very thoughtful rather of than, you. Yeah. yeah rather than knocking down the house and, and building uh we actually found a phenomenal house out in the country so we're going to be country bumpkins now but there's lots of garage space and that's the exciting part of it i love it well yeah. I, you'll hear me coming and hopefully i'll be able to come and visit you in the with the sti at some point but. absolutely <laughs> you'll love the road the road that we live on is is twisties uh yeah, it's called scenic drive and it's you'll uh, you'll have to do what one of the guys scenic. up in muskoka has done where he privately paved a whole section of public road yeah. just because he loved the way that that road yeah you know drove on a regular basis and yeah. I remember the summer that he did it and it's just this gorgeous super rich very expensive black tarmac yeah. um that he did about a 33 kilometer strip of which Whoa. was bonkers That's, that is driving passion. um and um yeah he'll remain unnamed because i don't think it's very public <laughs> knowledge but uh it was just stunning and gorgeous but yeah, i'm um, sure so, the township loves him yeah <laughs> and his right. neighbors and, you know two winters though completely has the, the, all the heaving and yeah, you know cracking exactly. has destroyed it but yeah. anyways okay so that's the end of this. Um, I and you know the end of the episode here with Faisal, and I want to thank you so much for coming to hang out tonight. Um, you know, to everybody listening, please do subscribe, rate, and review the show. Um, I want to keep making content for everyone, so those all help me out. Um, also, if you're not already following us, um, follow us um, at the Bucket Seat on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and if you ever want to get in touch, email me at Trevor at the Bucket Seat. You can follow Faisal uh, on Instagram at. Um, Buna. Yep. Buna. Buna cat dot capital um, at Buna dot capital on Instagram um, for his stories. And you get to see, I mean, until the spring, at least you get to see lots of great photos of that uh, GTS. Um, it's gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to get the summer wheels back on for some Brixton forged wheels that I had. Uh, oh, you really you have Brixton? Oh my God. Yeah. I want to talk just to those guys. Do you know anybody at Brixton forged? Do you know those guys? Yeah. Yeah. Cody and uh, Adam. Yeah, Cody, was, Adam, if you're listening, we've got to be guests on the show. Faisal's <laughs> going to hook us up <laughs> because I'm, I, I love Cody and Adam still also, I put in a, uh, a little bit of a request for them that they uh, got a little excited about uh, developing some uh, alternative wheels for the singer. Oh, oh my God. I mean, God. the Fuchs. Wow. The Fuchs belong on the singer. But I would love right. to see the car in something specially made for it that is alternative to the to the Fuchs. Whoa, how cool would that be? Yeah, I don't know if Rob is in love with the idea. <laughs> Super down with it? Yeah. Whatever. It's just a special All right, guys. Wheels. Well, the challenge is out there. I want to. I want you on the show to be able to talk to me about that. <laughs> so, again, Faisal, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Um, I really do hope you come back. Um, I'd love I, to be back. Thanks I for this I feel like we've got lots more to talk about. Um, but for now, um, that's been episode 42 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne. Thank you and stay tuned.